everyone. I'm Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard. Welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, where each week I interview another woman who works in some area, some aspect of the sports business, whether it's for a team, a league, a they're an author, or maybe they've created their own fitness app, like today's guest. Um, so welcome back. I'm thrilled to have you all here. Uh, today's guest is Stephanie Jewett. Stephanie is the CEO and founder of Actively. Um, that's with two V's. And Actively is basically Tinder for fitness buddies. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, the majority of her users are in the Atlanta area right now. Um, that's because that's the only place that they've really put any marketing effort into. Um, however, it can be used anywhere in the country. You just might not have a ton of matches on it because of, um, there only being, you know, marketing in that one area, but it's a really cool app. Um, she is just such a light, um, her background is super cool, at least for me to listen to. <laughs> I'm a news junkie and, uh, she was at CNN for five years, um, as a production assistant or an associate producer on, um, CNN newsroom and then, uh, Crossfire, which was really cool to hear about. And then she decided to create this app. So, you know, we talked about her journey with startup life and it's a very different episode. Um, it, you know, it, it's just not a typical story in our sports world, right? Um, again, when we think about sports, we often think about the big four that are on TV and usually it's the men's league. Um, but this was, I don't know, it was just really fun for me to hear about um, some of the challenges that she's overcome and um, the things that she's had to learn in order to be able to make this app happen. And she's just, like I said, she's such a bright light, um, super supportive of women and lifting them up and, and really finding our spaces and being able to be real and talk through some of the things that are frustrating and, you know, seem like things we're supposed to know, but we don't because I don't know, I haven't started a company. Have you? Well, I guess I kind of have now. I don't know. <laughs> I have to think that one through, but anyway, it's a really different episode. I hope you like it. Um, she's just so sweet and funny. Um, but full of really good nuggets. And I think it's, again, a testament to all of our paths are different. Um, sometimes finding what you're passionate about takes some time. And, you know, sometimes taking that leap may cause your parents to ask some questions or think you need to have your head checked. Um, but ultimately, with the support of peers and, um, you know, a little, little scrappiness, uh, these fun adventures take place. So I really do hope you enjoy this interview with Stephanie Jouette of Actively. Hey, Stephanie. Hi, Bobby. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for coming on. We've been trying to do this for a while now. So long. So overdue. <laughs> I think it's been, well, it's been a year now, right? Wow. Um, then overdue is an understatement. 
let's just say you've been busy. I've been busy. I mean, we'll get to, to why you've been busy. I think it's okay. <laughs> and, you, and obviously you've been busy because you've been crushing it. Oh, thank you. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone, but I'm, I'm going to put a little twist to it. I usually start off by asking people how they fell in love with sport. For you, how did you fall in love with sport or fitness? I fell in love with it um, through friendship. Uh, I was not a sport playing gal growing up. I was more of the SGA homecoming committee kind of gal. And it wasn't until I was like well into my adult years at CNN and I moved to Atlanta and I had a great group of people who wanted to be active and fit and explore the city. And then, you know, I ended up lifting weights and in the gym and yoga and hiking and yeah. That's great. I think so many people um, think of sport and sport business as like a very narrow topic, right? They think of like the big four men's sports and that's pretty much it. But as we'll talk about, you know, um, fitness and uh, joining people together for fitness uh, is a is a really good complement to those um, sports. I think so. And um, bringing people together to achieve a goal and enjoy each other. It's, it's really powerful and I, I love it. You, um, you went to Liberty University for broadcast journalism. How did you end up there? What was your thought process? What did you think you were going to be? So I actually, this, it just, I wasn't one of those people who always knew what they wanted to do. And I ended up at Liberty because I went to private school for the last three years of high school. And it was a really nice school, Dave Christian in Miami. And they had a really great program, like a feeder program into Liberty. And I got there and I'm first generation Cuban American. And I was just in complete and utter culture shock. And I was for the first time, not surrounded by Hispanic and Caribbean people. It was like nothing but like Caucasian white people. Yeah. And so I'm trying to like say hello and hug and kiss people. And they're like, Oh, this is weird. Shake our hand. (laughs) So, so I learned, I learned quickly. And, um, it was actually one of my girlfriends who said, you know, you're in communications, but have you considered broadcast, broadcast journalism? I think you'd be really great. And I gave it a chance with a couple of classes and found my passion there for news and helping be a voice for people and helping people stay abreast of information. Um, you've had some, you had some really cool internships and it's funny because anybody who knows me really well and, or works in my building knows that my TV is always on CNN (laughs) all day long. (laughs) Um, I'm an utter news junkie. It's probably not healthy. Um, but I also work where my office is located right outside of it is a bunch of customer service representative or guest member relations people. So they're on the phones all the time. And this is kind of like white noise. Right. Um, but I really am a news junkie. So it's like Twitter and CNN are just like on different screens in my room all day, my office and, um, politics in particular in the last few years has probably last 10 years has become, you know, really, really important to me. So some of your internships, you interned, you know, as a news intern with a TV station 
And then you did two political internships, um, one with the NRSC and then another with the Florida House of Reps. What were those like? Um, I definitely left Liberty. And again, even being Cuban American, we're traditionally Republican. So I went to Liberty and was certainly of a more conservative mindset because it's kind of like um, it's a Christian university. And that's kind of like how you are the thoughts and the kind of ideology that is part of that community. And so I go to D.C. after college. It's in Lynchburg, Virginia. And D.C. was like the natural next step. And I had opportunities to intern there and it was really great and exciting and different. Um, and politics, I know this is, you know, seems like a kinder, simpler, gentler time. And it wasn't even that long ago. It, it just, it wasn't what it is today. Um, it wasn't as divisive. You had things that you liked on both sides, mm -hmm. but I learned a lot and seeing how financing is done and campaigns are run up close and fundraising really, I think, teaches you a lot about, um, about how the world, I guess, really works. It, you know, I don't want to be like jaded, but really like, this is what it takes to get people in office and keep them in office. And you make these calls and you say these things. So it was really cool. And, um, I interned for, in, uh, Ileana Ross Leighton from Miami and she's Cuban American. So that was a really great experience. She's so charming and so smart and that was, it was really comforting because being in her office, she had a lot of Cuban and Hispanic people. And that was very cool. Yeah. We make like, we make like old school Cuban coffee in the old school nice. coffee maker every day in the office. And I am really good at it. Oh my gosh. So that was when you were at the Florida house of reps, right? Yes. And, um, were you her direct intern or were you part of like a, you know, a committee intern? So, um, I was in the office with her. It, everybody is, it's in a small staff. Mm -hmm. So you're all in there with her. So I was a staff intern. And then with, so for people listening, I didn't do the NPR thing I'm supposed to do. The NRSC is the national Republican senatorial committee. Um, and, um, for that, I mean, that's just full on fundraising. That's it. Right. Yes. Um, I only know these things because I did a little bit of stuff on the Hill when I was at a telecom company. Um, I, I, I think, I think it's a really cool experience and I'm certainly, I don't lean that way today. Um, not that you asked, but you know, that doesn't represent, I want to make sure, cause I am like a total hardcore feminist and that does not align today, present day conservatism. Um, but it was such a unique experience and I feel really, really grateful and you just learn so much and I, I could just not, it expands your mind. Yeah. You're just not the same person. Yeah. I think, listen, I think, um, particularly when it comes to political internships and, um, and I don't know, I, I think it's just really easy to kind of end up somewhere and maybe you are of that mindset. Maybe you aren't right. Um, we're also talking 10 years ago, so people tend to change and there's nothing wrong either way. Right. Right. <laughs> Traditionally. Um, and then you were at the Alliance to Save Energy. Yes. What was that? Um, just great opportunities. And I honestly didn't know what I, I, I'm a broadcasting as a major, like you said, and I didn't know what my truest passion was. So I was really open to trying um, different avenues. And they had a great educational program there that helped um, bring education to elementary school students and middle school kids around the country. It was really fun. It was so exciting. And again, you get to see up close 
you know, how these different groups are, are run. And I just, I think it just opened my eyes and I think you find your footing and you're like, okay, so I tend to care more about certain issues and others. And this is probably more aligned with me. And it was all those things. And I know that this is leading up to like my uh, career at CNN, but it was all those distinct and unique internships that helped me get to CNN as an intern. One last time, it was like my fifth free internship. I'm like unpaid, (laughs) but it was, it was that, that led me to the opportunity. They looked at my resume. They're like, okay, you're well-rounded. You know, a lot about these different subjects that are important. Come on down, you know, to, I was in uh, DC at the time in Maryland, come on down to Atlanta and join us. Yeah. So, you know, your internship ends, there's a bit of a break there, right? Did you, what, what were you doing during that period of time where there Uh, was the break in between? I think I I worked at, um, it feels like so long ago. I worked at like a medical staffing place because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then like almost like non club promoting, club promoting. Like I just had like a whole bunch of friends and they were like, you know, tell all your friends to come on Friday night to the club and we'll, you know, give you tables and stuff. So it's such a random thing and no one's ever asked. So there you go. Like living in DC and it's just like a lively town and not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. And I started putting out all these resumes. So I will tell you this, I put out, I was like, before I fully go into politics one way or the other, let me give journalism one last shot and really, really give it a go before I leave it. So I put out easily like 150 resumes all over the country, anybody who would take me. And I hadn't heard anything for months. And then I probably put them out in like August, September and everything from E! News to CNN to Bravo, anything that was TV and networks. And CNN called me to do the internship. And so they had an internship first that that got you into, yeah. into there. Oh, that's interesting. So what was the, what did you do during the internship? learned real journalism. It, uh, I remember just, it is trial by fire. They throw you in. So a little bit of everything from making coffee runs to the traditional, like picking up dry cleaning. Um, everybody was really friendly, but they really put you to work. And I knew that I went there and I didn't have any connections or ins at, um, CNN, but I was like, I'm going to make myself indispensable. So no matter what it is, the answer is yes, I will do it. And I'll do it right now. And I'll do it great. Whatever it is. And I think people took notice that I, I did good work and I showed up and went above and beyond. What, um, how did, how did the full-time role come about? I interned and when I was in, uh, the internship was completing, they actually created for, uh, I was on the Rick's list on Rick Sanchez show team and he was just wonderful to me. And so was our executive producer, Angie Massey. And they, uh, that our show and the neighboring show actually created positions for myself and one other young lady on their show team to stay on as production assistants. So they saw, they saw something there in us and gave us a chance. Now we were the very last class of interns that didn't get paid. So that still stings a little bit. So like, we're so poor. (laughs) And immediately after the next group of interns were getting like 15 or 16 bucks an hour. I'm like, why we're eating ramen. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, you know, that happened in sports too. There, there was a, a very distinct shift, you know, for very legal reasons Mm -hmm. to that. Um, so you'll hear, you know, people in the sports industry talking about how they worked all these different internships for free and, you know, had, and with sports, like, 
what job do you have in sports that has normal hours, right? And normal days. So you can't really schedule like too many other things, right? So working like never a second. Expect, yeah. I never expect to have a holiday off. Like oh, what yeah. is a holiday off? What's Weekends, Christmas and Thanksgiving? Yeah. Nope. Yeah, exactly. So as much as it can be frustrating, I think sometimes it's like fraternity stuff. You know, it's like, well, just because somebody else beat the crap out of you, does that mean that like the person after you has to get the beat, the crap beat out of them? Like maybe, right. maybe we can just make things better. Agreed. You know, um, when you were uh, promoted to associate producer, can you tell us what that means? Like what is a producer? So a producer is basically, and if you work on it, cause there's different ways to be a producer, but specifically for me, I was part of a news team. So there's, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 of us on one team. That's how many of us it takes to make two hours of TV happen every day. So you, um, come together every day in the morning and I just happen to be really, really lucky and actually have like a nine to five schedule that never happens in news. <laughs> so I, ha- I happen to have a nine to five. So you come in every day and this was a pre Trump era. So you could pitch all kinds of incredibly interesting stories, which is why you go into journalism and, um, you could pitch anything from Justin Bieber to something happening in Congo. So all kinds of global news that you could really, and be, uh, be an advocate and a light, like someone was discriminated against, this is happening. That's unfair. How do we bring that to the forefront? So you pitch the stories, then you start getting to work because you only have six hours to put live news together from the time you walk in the door before it's on air and you find guests, you pitch guests, you get bookings, you cut video, you write scripts, you do research, you do whatever it takes that at 2 PM or 3 PM, your show is ready. It looks good. It's accurate. It's truthful. It's well-balanced despite what some might say. Hmm. Yeah. So what is the, I'm so fascinated by such silly things. If your team of 15 or 20 are all doing that, what are the people who are on the screen doing? So the anchors, they're doing their part too. So, you know, on a regular newscast, and I I don't know how many stories truly, uh, you know, I don't know how many stories are covered nowadays because the truth is that two stories a day are covered. There you go. But we used to have a newscast, no exaggeration, that had anywhere from 20 to 30 stories per hour because in TV time, you know, a story is a minute 30. You give the background and if you wanted to let the segment really breathe and you had a guest, then that might be a four or five minute segment before you go to commercials. So you're doing 30 different stories. So your entire time is like researching, making phone calls, getting it cleared, making sure it's accurate and edited and putting it together, graphics, logos, whatever is necessary to tell a story and a lot of stories quickly. And the the anchors are helping along with all of that? Yep. They're helping write the stories. They're writing scripts. They're, they're copying, editing it, editing it as well, <laughs> adding their voice and their flair and getting prepared. And the truth is, no matter how prepared you are in TV news, I mean, just be ready that everything is, you're going to get a crazy news story. There's going to be a school shooting, a fire, an airplane, something crazy, a natural disaster happens. And whatever you worked on for six hours throw it out. It doesn't exist. It's dead. Now make a brand new show live on the spot right in real time. Oh my God. Um, I loved it. 
It's so exciting. It's so fun. I, you know, because of this love of mine, I was a big fan of um, the newsroom, obviously. Um, and then I just started this weekend watching this really silly show on, um, I think it's on Netflix. Um, and I think it's like an actual broadcast show. Um, it's called Good News. And it's just goofy, but it's based around like, you know, like a CNN newsroom type deal. I haven't um, watched it yet, but I am going to definitely look into that. That sounds awesome. Tina Fey ends up um, being in quite a few episodes in the second season. So. So it's now must watch TV with it's got Tina Fey. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of it's interesting. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's my love of uh, all of that. You were fortunate enough to work on a couple of different shows while you were at CNN, right? Yes. What was the craziest story you worked on? Oh, wow. Um, I was there five years. Um, I would say craziest. I mean, we covered everything from, I remember the first day I ever had to sit in the control room. I was supposed to be training. I'll tell you this. The first day I ever had to sit in the control room and you're, you know, taking video, making sure it's timed when the anchor says, you know, did you see this scene from whatever? And it was when the Japanese Fukushima plant, the tsunami hit and their nuclear reactor mm-hmm. leaked um, and the, and the lives in the tsunami. So we were covering live footage. My first time ever It was supposed to be a slow, lazy day. And that's why they put me in the hot seat and it turned into, it was a weekend and it turned into a real, my first time doing video for TV. And I had to be good no matter what trial by fire. And you just saw the tidal wave coming onto the, on land. And you saw people running, mm-hmm. running for dear life in front of the you know, dragging each other, grabbing their last final possessions, their dog, their cat, the Arab spring was shortly thereafter. Um, there's, we've covered so much. Yeah. It was such an incredible experience. And then Malaysian airlines 370 went missing. Oh my gosh. And we just, now that was interesting because we covered that for five months and there was no updates and we didn't have updates, but as long as America was watching, we were beholden to the ratings like, hey, people are still interested. And we're like, nothing has happened. Well, how could there be interest? And as long as their ratings were there and they were for five to six months. So every single day we all became aviation experts. Wow. At what point did the CNN Chiron maker break and just always say breaking news? Um, <laughs> again, again, I think, I think I, I was in DC. I was in DC when that happened. I think not like literally, but, um, people watch and they know to turn to us. We're all over airports all over the world and people know to watch. And even if the sound isn't on and listen, they, I know they do focus groups and research and if it's working, they're not going to change it. It's so breaking news forever and ever. Yeah. It's just so funny because it never isn't breaking news, even though a lot of, especially in the last two years. Well, fair. I mean, there are some days like last Friday where there is just constant actual breaking news. And then there are other days when, you know, there's a couple stories that they're repeating and it still says breaking news. It just makes me laugh because I'm like, well, hmm, are we breaking still? No, it's it's hilarious. Yeah. And then they do the the big graphics and the sound breaking news. Yeah. And I'm like, I just heard this half an hour ago. Yes. Did I miss one detail? (laughs) 
Well, they know that people like tune in for like 14 minutes at a time. So I know that that has something to do with it. Oh, there you go. Well, you mean not everybody is crazy like me and has it on all day? I am the same way. Sun up to sundown and then some. I just want to know what's going on at all times. It's, It's a sickness. It really is. I just don't, I just don't understand. Um, what did you do after you left CNN? So I left CNN at the very end of 2014, very beginning of 2015. And the reason that I like moved back to Atlanta is because I, so I was in Atlanta working at CNN here at the headquarters and they asked me to move to DC to relocate, to launch uh, relaunch crossfire And that was a really amazing experience. And that was because Malaysian Airlines blew us out for five months that we just couldn't get another audience. But um, when I moved to D.C., I realized, you know, my my show schedule was no longer nine to five. And I didn't have a whole bunch of friends to go to the gym with like I used to. And I was like, it shouldn't be this difficult. I'm a really friendly girl. Um, I'm, you know, really outgoing and always a social kind of gal. And it was so hard to find people to go work out with me, to go run, hike, bike in DC because I hadn't been in that long and my schedule was so different. So I, you know, by the time you end at nine, nine thirty, and you prep for the next day. And so I left CNN because I realized they're still, and this is the, you know, the beginning of 2015 and there was no easy way or app that I could meet people awesome ladies in the area to go work out with. And I went to, I remember dragging my boyfriend, begging him, please go with me. There's this thing called 1776, like a general assembly kind of uh, coding school. Please go with me because I have no idea what mobile app development is, but I think I might want to build because I have a crazy idea. And that's when I decided to move back to Atlanta. And uh, CNN. So talk a little more about 1776 because I think a lot of the people listening aren't going to be, I mean, I barely know what general assembly is. Um, I'm sure it's not necessarily in everybody's mind, right? Who isn't a coder. So there's these amazing schools, coding schools, coding boot camps that if you decide that, Hey, you realize maybe coding is the future for you. You want a career change. You want to shift into something different. They teach you the skills and it's not just coding. They can teach you how to design websites, how to do product design, product development, um, all these different, really valuable skills that can just complement what you're currently doing or lead you into something completely different. So 1776 is in Washington, DC and general assembly is one of the biggest, they're a chain, they're a franchise all over the country and even all over the world where you can come and learn that skill for three, four months. And they have a really good program that helps you get placed after. So you'll be a junior developer and start your career in technology at 40, if that's what you want. Did you, were you thinking that you were going to learn how to code and create the app yourself? Yeah, I, I didn't know anything shamefully, so shameful. I didn't even know what coding was, like what coding language. I had never even heard of the concept of like a coding language. So I was like, how the hell do you build a mobile app? And I start looking online. It's like a hundred thousand dollars or, you know, don't, don't, don't pay, you know, $50,000 to build an app when you can do it yourself. So I went, I just happened to be that they had just opened down the street for me and I went and they explained, this is coding this is how you build a mobile app. And it was just like a free webinar. And I remember I was so impressed. They gave away like free beer and all tech <laughs> events gave away like free beer. I was like, 
wow, this is the life for me, beer and, and, you know, like learning and building stuff. And I was definitely in over my head, but I did move back to Atlanta. I went to coding classes here. So it gave me a really good base on, on what I was doing. And with that, um, first of all, like, I can't believe you went to coding school yourself. Um, you and I were just talking about, you know, where this, this app that you dreamed of is going and we'll talk more about it and, you know, uh, development and all of that. And so it's just kind of crazy to me that you, yeah, I can't even on WordPress, like make my website look good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. It is, it is, I, I, at least, you know, what WordPress is. I didn't even have a concept and that was, and I'm really socially, uh, social media inclined. Mm-hmm. I remember being one of the people who taught so many people at CNN, how to use Twitter. Like we used Twitter for live news newscast. It was like a really big moment for technology. And I just had no clue how it was created. And I never had any interest in tech or entrepreneurship or any of it. So you are as surprised as I am. <laughs> like that is incredible. So let's talk about this app. It's actively, right? Spelled yes, we are actively mobile app, and that's actively spelled with two V's. And so actively spelled with two V's is Tinder for Platonic Fitness Buddies. So if you need somebody to go hiking, biking, do yoga, you're traveling um, to Atlanta on business and you you're tired of sitting at the hotel bar, you want to get out and explore. But maybe as a lady, you don't want to do it alone. You can find other awesome people near you to get out and get fit with. It's just so smart. I love it. Thank Um, you. Making friends as adults is weird. So weird. So weird. Um, And especially when you move to a new city. And so when I heard about this, and let's tell the story about how you and I met. Actually, this is a a really good idea. (laughs) We met because you reached out to me. We saw each other on an event. The event was um, uh, Tech Stars. Yeah, Tampa Startup Week. Tech Startup Week last February. Yes. Um, And I was alerted to it because my former boss was like, hey, I'm going to this thing. And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Oh, I wonder if there are any sports-related things. And if any women who work in, you know, on these sports related tech things will be there because podcast. And so I stalked you. Um, I I love that. (laughs) I found you and then I Googled and I was like, oh, she'd be fun. And so I I sent you like just a very random message, right? (laughs) And you were so kind and, you know, it feels like an eternity ago because, you know, tech years, it just wear on you. Um, and you were, and you were just so supportive of like, you're a woman who's building this app and in this space. And I'd love to feature you. And that was so kind that you use your platform to spotlight other women. Oh, well, I mean, it's, the stories are awesome. I get to meet incredible people. I have no business having you and these other women in my circle. I mean, none. And, uh, it's been an incredible year plus doing this. And so, I was just like super excited. Then we ended up being at the Gary V event. Yeah. The Gary V event. Um, so we got to meet in person and then it was right around the time when it was just me in my department. So like things were really crazy and I had to kind of run around and, and be a lawyer and all that stuff. But, um, 
it was, yeah, it was cool. And we've, we've kept in touch, which has been and, fun. And, and I would say credit to you, you know, cause I think that you do such a great job of, of really encouraging and uplifting other women. So I have to encourage and uplift like what you're doing and you just genuinely care and you support other women and everything that you do, your podcast is filled with so much like passion and encouragement and kindness and goodness and just interest and valuable information. So I'm just so like appreciative of you. Aw, keep going. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, 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 I always make something awkward if you let me. So just now you know. No, it, it's very sweet, and I'm uh, I'm blushing over here, even though you can't see it. It's uh, it means a lot when I hear that, and I don't know. I I love it. I know for a fact that some of you listeners are living in the tundra right now. I'm looking at you, people in Minnesota, Canada and Chicago. So why not get out of that cold and into the warmth with a little bit of baseball at Arizona's Cactus League spring training? Arizona's Cactus League in Greater Phoenix has about 15 teams and 10 stadiums, all within a 50-mile radius. It is so much fun to go to spring training. There is tons of accessibility to players, and you truly get this small ballpark feel when you go to one of the games. When you're not at the ballpark, though, you can wander around the city where there are amazing restaurants and bars, including tons of craft breweries. Arizona is known for incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. So you can go hiking and biking, some hot air balloon riding, maybe a little skydiving. Uh, You've got everything there. Arizona has you covered. And if you're planning on bringing the little itty bitties to spring training, Arizona has tons of family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, including water parks, horseback rides, games, and activities. Honestly, I've said this before, and I truly mean it. Spring training is the best. Um, Your kids are never going to forget it. You won't ever forget it. And honestly, it's a lot warmer than where you are right now. So head on over to visitarizona.com slash spring training to plan your spring training getaway. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. So your Tinder for Fitness Buddies has uh, had an interesting year, um, actively has. You um, you were brought into WEI Atlanta, right? Yes. The WE uh, Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative. It's an incubator through the city of Atlanta. What does incubator mean? So incubator is basically, and there's two terms, there's accelerators or incubators. Incubators bring you in and they help you incubate your startup idea or your business idea. Predominantly that happens in the technology space. Bless you. But the city of Atlanta um, actually wanted to expand that and open it up to 15 female entrepreneurs. So the initiative um, was enacted by Mayor Kasim Reed, our last mayor, and basically, and I think it was a really cool little tidbit I'll share with you. The reason that he launched the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, or WE, the reason he launched Atlanta WE is because when he was campaigning in 2008, he went door-to-door campaigning, knocking on doors across the city, 
and kept meeting female entrepreneurs who worked from their home. But a lot of these women were super discouraged and didn't want to pursue their businesses anymore because people knew that they had businesses at their home and kept breaking in, stealing their money, robbing their products, their stuff. And it really bothered him to see that women couldn't build businesses in a safe space. So he created this program to give 15 female entrepreneurs 15 months of free rent and access to community leaders and just really high level connections and opportunities. What has being in it um, done for you and your business? I think at the most basic, the, the most important, valuable thing is that it gave me credibility. You know, whether you're building a podcast or any kind of business, you're you, people don't know you. I came from CNN. I didn't know a single entrepreneur. I didn't know a single person in tech and them giving you this backing and putting their name behind you and putting you in front of people like Kat Cole and Carol Tomei, the CFO of Home Depot and Grace Fricks of Ace Loans. These are like industry titans. And these are people that are now invested and supporting you for your growth. And when you meet people and you tell them you're part of the program, you know, they really give you a second look. They're more willing to do business with you. It has been such a game changer. And then having, um, for a lot of women, when you start an entrepreneurship journey, you are so lonely and so siloed. You don't know anybody. And I didn't know anybody. I was so alone and I didn't have a support system. I didn't know a single other entrepreneur and being a part of it gave you 15 women who could give you advice give you a shoulder to, we call it the three C's, cuss, cry, and complain. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It gave you like really like a sisterhood and a place where you could be your full self, a mom, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a woman hustling, and you could lean on each other and grow your businesses. Radically different businesses, but so important to your personal growth. Yeah. And your professional growth. For sure. I mean, entrepreneurs tend to have similar uh, roadblocks and journeys that they go through, right? And so knowing that you're not the only one who isn't sure what kind of checking account to open, right? Or So humiliating, so embarrassing. And and you don't want to ask because you don't want to <laughs> seem stupid. Most people in tech are men. So you don't want to ask the questions. And I know, you know, you got to learn, but there's something so different than, and I'm a you know, former journalist, so you can put me in front of a computer, I can research, but it's not the same as having someone like you shared with me just a few moments ago, a great hiring platform and how to get, you know, as an area that I don't know about, there's just such a huge difference that you can lean on somebody and ask them and not be judged or, you know, looked at less than your male counterparts. Have you, um, have you found, you know, one or more mentors while you've been on this path with the app? Yes. And I want to share something that, um, I went to an event, you know, cause you go to these events and networking things and panels to learn. And I'll tell you something about mentorship. So I didn't know how to find a mentor and it gave me so much anxiety and guilt and shame because you grow up watching TV and everybody's got, you know, Corey's got Mr. Feeney and you've got Wilson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, you got, you, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no. 
what a great laugh. Um, you have all these images that tell you that you're supposed to have this deep, intimate mentorship relationship. And that's how you grow. And I didn't have that being new to technology. And I went to an event and Kat Cole, the president uh, and the CEO of Focus Brands, a total badass woman. I asked Kat in a room full of Georgia Tech alumni and men and business people. I said, how do you find mentorship and mentors, especially as a woman? And what she said changed the way that I thought about it. And she said, mentorship is not always about this deep, intimate, one-on-one, seven-year, 10-year relationship. It might be that you get mentoring moments from lots of different people in your life. So when you meet somebody and you have the opportunity to have a great conversation and they gave you like these sage words or good advice or made a connection, that too is a form of mentorship Mm -hmm. that, that we should, you know, feel good about. And I, I look back and now see how many women, and there's been great guys, but I'm a girl's girl and how many incredibly accomplished women who are at the C-suite level and have exited and had IPOs have taken the time to turn, you know, lift their hand back down to me and give me a little bit of advice and encourage me on my path. So I've had tons of mentors and I could not be more grateful, you know, for women who have stepped up and been like, okay, you know, let me show you the ropes here. And, you know, this is how you handle this email and this is how you show up and this is how you introduce yourself. It's been amazing. And I'm so grateful. It's, it's funny. You know, we, there are such like basic things that we don't always get taught right in, in any sense. So like even today, like I had a discussion with someone about an outfit I should wear to something. I mean, she's a very influential woman in sports. You know, she's a dear friend of mine now, thankfully, but like, this is somebody whose time does not need to be wasted on what outfit I'm going to wear to something. And it's so important. Right. And like, and I even said in the middle of it, I'm like, what a fucking stupid thing to be telling, (laughs) talking to you about. And she's like, no, it's not stupid. She goes, first of all, I'm always here to talk about outfits. Second of all, she's amazing just for that alone. Yeah, no, I mean, she is, she's, she's incredible. Um, but you know, there are just like, in all realms of life and of being a woman, there are just things that like you think other people learn from their parents or, you know, and for a lot of men, they do. The truth is for a lot of men. Right. 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 But I remember like, I didn't know how to put makeup on. My mom didn't teach me how to put makeup on. Like, I think it was like the girls on my cross country team got my, got my makeup ready for like junior prom or something, you know, um, stuff like that. Like, so when it came to like dressing for an interview or for this event or that event or whatever, sometimes I'm still a little like, ah, what do I wear? What do I do? Yeah. And being in spaces that are predominantly male Mm -hmm. and you know, you want to send the right message and you know, whatever, you know, and quote unquote, not the wrong message. Not that they, you know, what we wear even matters when it comes to that stuff, but I get you, you want to, you want to give the right image and, and you're being judged doubly hard because you're a woman and you're in spaces that are traditionally reserved for men. For you, how has it been as a, you know, a Hispanic woman 
going through some of these very predominantly male and white spaces? It has been a growing experience and I have to be, you know, nobody like I haven't had a sexually sexual harassment kind of thing happen to me. So I'm really, really grateful for that. But I have had men who like want to talk over me. They ask a question and immediately are, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, so why'd you ask a question? And I am a fairly knowledgeable person. I don't know everything, but I have a good knowledge base. So if you ask me questions, I've probably done research and have good valid answers and just kind of try to rush you and seem disinterested and look at their watch, kind of like dismissing you that they wouldn't do to guys. And when that happened to me early and it wasn't a lot, but you notice it. Right. And, and, um, if you're in co-working spaces, they, they want to, they're very invested in helping the guy co-working team or the guy startup teams help. And they kind of dismiss you. And so I quickly identified, you know what, listen, I know who I am as, as a, as a person, as a woman, and I'm a girl's girl and women are, women open the door for me, all kinds of women, white women, black women, not a lot of Hispanic women are in, in these spaces. So that is always, you know, lets me know that I'm, whatever I'm doing today is not just for me. It's for the next Hispanic young woman who wants to do this, that I can make her path a little easier. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have, I would tell any lady and I, I'm really blessed in Atlanta that I've had just nothing but incredible women who have just helped literally put me on their shoulders and, and here, step up, let's go. So I've just gone around guys. So if I'm honest, like I've circumvented dudes for quite a bit. <laughs> so <laughs> you don't, you don't have to pay attention to me because there's a lot of really strong, powerful women that have been there for me and I do the same for other young women. Have you, um, I think Atlanta is probably a really good, good area with regards to diversity and things like that. But have you, um, felt a, or experienced like a, just like a, a cultural unawareness sometimes that people have? Absolutely. And, um, and now I want to be fair and say, I haven't met people who I felt or guys that I felt were being malicious when they say comments, they're just like dumb jokes, but they don't truly, truly, they're just, they're not, you can tell they're not meant to be malicious. They just aren't woke or enlightened or aware. They're just not Um, educated. Yeah. Yes. And, and, but for the most part, um, I think, Atlanta is such a girl power city. Truly, the women there are so strong and really genuinely support each other. And that um, I think that we've kind of educated men, at least at least don't say in front of us. Like I can't maybe I can't change your mind and make you see the light. But for the most part, I have. And I did have one investor, like probably one of the first investors I ever met with. And it was totally unofficial. And he, I said, I have a women's organization called Startup Sisters that I've built in tandem with Actively to help women support each other and grow our businesses. And I remember this guy, when I told him about it, he's a very prominent investor in Atlanta. And he said, oh, no, you don't want to be one of those women, do you? Oh, oh, boy. I was like, and the thing is, I'm not a guy basher. Like this isn't about, no, it's not. It's It's about like, how do we as ladies change the narrative that we're catty and that we're, you know, whatever, and actually realize that we can support each other and all prosper. And he said that to me and I was like, okay, (laughs) like I I think about that ever so often and he's still around and present, but I know that that's how a lot of men think that if women come together, it can't be good. Right. It means, But but that fuels me. So. Yeah. 
So investors are interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I like, I find this to be a fascinating topic, especially when I listen to some of these other podcasts I listen to with um, female founders and whatnot. Uh, can you talk a bit about the statistics regarding the money that gets invested in women's businesses versus men's and, and what it's like going in and, and talking to investors? So I haven't um, started fundraising fully, so I don't. I haven't had the experience, you know, the of full like pitch, yeah, the full the full pitch. But I've spoken to enough to tell you, and to enough women also to know that um, currently women get um, I think 0.02 percent of VC funding, something like abysmally low, and I think Black women get like 0.003 percent of funding. Hispanic women, we're not even on the radar, you know, and and white and Asian women tend to do a little better, but generally speaking. Those are abysmal numbers. And I think the craziest part is that we are the biggest consumer groups like women and black women and Hispanic women are the biggest consumers right now. We're the biggest users of social media We're the we download apps and new technology at a significantly higher rate than men. And when we are in apps and on websites, we spend traditionally between 70 to 80 percent more. So the fact that there aren't more women being funded and creating products for this giant consumer group is just a testament to how stubborn and probably uh, exclusionary some men may be, can be. I, I love, uh, I mean, love, and I say that with a tinge of uh, disgust, but, you know, some of these companies that have turned into multi hundred million dollar companies, right? Founded by women who their products are focused on women and how hard it was for them to get their initial funding. Um, because unfortunately there was a lack, there were a lack of women that they were pitching to, right? So like yes. a, a, most of the big VCs, it's all dudes. And they couldn't understand why anybody would need whatever their business was doing, right? Because they were geared towards women. And it, it's, it's just an interesting circle that gets created, you know, when it explains why diversity of all kinds is so important in those rooms. And I would say... Um, not just that, but uh, women spend more money, but also we make more money. When women CEOs are at the helm of like Fortune 100 companies, big corporations, we have significantly higher returns than our male counterparts. So like not only, okay, if you don't actually care, if you don't think that we're equal, shame on you, but okay, fine, who cares? But like just from a purely a business strategy standpoint, every time that there is a female founder as part of a startup team, the returns are greater. When women are CEOs at the helms of big corporations, the returns are greater. So I don't know why as a business practice, even if you don't mean it, you wouldn't invest in women and empower them. Like yeah. you only make more money when we are involved. Yeah. yeah, dummies. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> uh, it's just such a conundrum, Stephanie. But but I would say, and you know, um, there are so many great women who are you know waving the flag and and really being advocates. Um, 
Natalie Molina Nino at Bravo Investments. I know that in Atlanta, Kim Seals and uh, the Jump Fund is specifically for women. Cowboy Ventures in San Francisco. There are uh, Arlen uh, Hamilton with Backstage Capital. There are so many women right now who are doing incredible work to help close the gap. And we're not, we're not close, close but they are just making big waves and raising so much money. Mm-hmm. So that does give me a lot, a lot, a lot of hope that things are going to turn around sooner than all the numbers and statistics try to say. Sure. Yeah. I've noticed that trend as well. There are, there are quite a few women um, who, you know, whether it's, you know, through their own business businesses that they started, or maybe they were with one of the old school VC firms and decided to spin off on their own to, um, to focus on, you know, women founded companies, um, and startups. And so that's, that's been pretty cool to watch. Um, and will surely make a difference as time goes on. Um, Talk about Startup Sisters a bit. So Startup Sisters is uh, a community organization that I started. And I actually, my co-founder, Kiki, is in Tampa and has just been, Kiki Roeder is just an incredible woman who has done extremely well and exited two of her own tech startups and went out of her way when I decided to even try to put together um, this event and this group. And it was about us as women being so siloed um, and lonely in different parts of the city, not knowing because you're at one we work and I'm in a different co-working space and not knowing. And if you don't know the other women in your city, how can you support one another? And the, the second really big piece about Startup Sisters that really matters to me to like the core to my soul is, you know, confronting as women this lie that pits us against one another. And that's that there's not enough resources. There's not enough money. There's not enough men. So because we don't believe as women that there's enough for us to all go around, there's not enough slices to the pie, we cut each other down, we're petty, we're, we withhold resources and contacts and mentors and connections. And I think Startup Sisters, the, the biggest thing is how do we empower women by one, there is more than enough money out there, there is more than enough opportunity, and how can we help each other's businesses grow and get to those things? And that is like my connecting people through actively and helping women grow are like my two life's passions. Like that's why I'm here on this planet. I love it so, so much. And I think, um, it's so necessary, right? I I think it's why, um, the women founded the wing, right? Yes. And which is a whole other thing that I find amazing. Um, I could never afford it, but um, we, we've got some ladies in Atlanta um, that are creating Martine Resnick and Eileen Lee are creating the Lola based kind of on that. It's a women's organization and they're basically taking the old boys club and creating it for women so that to your point earlier, you can find other women resources, education and lean on each other. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm having a bad day. Work didn't go well. I didn't get the promotion. Let's strategize. How can we help you? You know, how can we help you craft wear the right outfit or, you know, write the right email and meet the right people. So I think there's so many people who are women that are really, really working hard to change those narratives and to create the spaces and opportunities. Yeah. I, 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 when I first saw the, um, the announcement for the wing, um, in New York city, I was like, damn, that is such a good idea. Why did I not come up with it? For those listening who don't know, the wing is like, 
it's basically like a WeWork space, um, but it's a women's only space. Um, and it's, it's essentially like a women's private club, but it's meant for professional women. Um, they can work there, you know, during the day if they need to, it's very stylish. They've got like a kitchen, um, all the seating space. Um, they have like dressing rooms essentially with everything you could possibly need in terms of like, Oh, you need, you know, to fix your makeup. There might be some, yeah, they've got like extra makeup and stuff like that. Um, it, it's really, in, it's like there are books everywhere. It's very like, I don't know. It just makes me so, I'm like, can I live there? Um, <laughs> and, you know, particularly for women who say like travel a lot for work, right? If they're, if they're going into New York City and they're running between meetings and they need to like, change their pantyhose quickly, which that's a whole nother problem they have, but whatever, um, you know, or they want to take like, you know, quiet 20 minutes and have a coffee, but not in like a Starbucks or something like that. Like it's like a great place. Now granted people use it for much more and it's kind of, like I said, it's slightly expensive, but they also provide all these like networking opportunities and, um, like professional, like, seminar type things. And I don't know why this is turning into an ad for the wing, but (laughs) you're doing amazing work. Truly, truly, truly. And anytime that you create something that brings people together to help each other grow, I think it's so beautiful and powerful. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, with your app, you've got basically like the, the first main version out right now, right? Yes. Our MVP, our minimum viable product is, uh, the basic version of something you build to test the market. Okay. And so that's what you put out. That's what you coded. Um, I designed the front end and I was not, I was not, uh, a strong enough coder to develop the back end by myself for sure. So I have a great developer, Robin, and he does the back end and I help design the front end. And um, we're getting so close to releasing a brand new version of the app, and I'm so excited. Yeah. So tell what what's the big difference between the MVP and the next version? I think it. I know that it looks and feels really good, and I am a really I really care about human beings and connecting and making people happy. Like by bringing them together. And I think it's the experience. It feels good. It flows. It's cute. It's fun. And we have more activities. We expanded even into, we currently had, um, 14 different activities and we added two that I think will help people connect in different ways. than they thought like dog walking buddies, um, that's so, so great. <laughs> yeah, and I think, and I think people really care about their pets. And if you find somebody and you both love pets and you want to get out for a walk, that's fitness too. That's exercise. That's being healthy. And that's part of an active life. And the other one we added was fit fams. We have a lot of ladies that I know are like moms who want to get in shape, but they have kids. So they plan play dates to around fitness for them and for the kids, or they push strollers on the belt line in Atlanta together. Yeah. Dads like, you know, I think there's just, there's so many more opportunities for us to be healthy and connect. And I think 
really the health that I'm going to push for is not just physical fitness. That's important, but it's also like your emotional and mental well-being. And without those things, you can be as healthy physically as you want, but you're not happy. You're depressed. You're isolated. You're lonely. You're anxious. And those numbers are real and growing, especially amongst millennials and Gen Z. And at the core, truly of actively, I, I know it's fitness, but what I really, really care about is helping people find friends and connect and, and being happy and living like really good lives. One of the, I have yet to attend. I was, did you hear that? I said, yet. <laughs> I uh, love that. Please come visit. I am. Uh, I will. I have uh, a very close friend there. Um, uh, so what was I just going to say? I haven't gone to one of these yet, but I have seen the stories on Instagram and cause of course I follow you and the app on Instagram and it's turntable yoga. Yes. <laughs> Tell everyone what that is. Um, so turntable yoga is actively signature events. So we have a really, really fun time. So we bring a uh, core power yoga. They're the nation's largest yoga studio chain. So we have our instructor, Samson and his friends who are all at core power yoga. They lead a class and we have a live DJ at every event and the live DJ plays different genres of music at different locations. So we hit a couple of things. We help you check out different parts of town, different venues. And then we also have different styles of music. So we'll have like a nineties night, a 2000. So all the music is two thousands or EDM or pop, or since we're in ATL, we'll have like the all ATL edition or dirty South Wait, and feature. How do you do EDM music and yoga? There's so many styles of EDM and because core power yoga has like a core part where you're really like pulsing and crunching. Oh, and, sure. And so that works. And, um, and it's always like a musical journey. And the cool thing is I am not a yogi and I think yoga is a really great experience. That's good for you and approachable. So, and the great thing is it's a judgment free zone. So everybody has to say hello to one person that they don't know. And break the ice and, and how do you make, what are the things that keep us from being active and going to classes and being fit, being nervous, being intimidated, not knowing people. So we really want to remove those barriers and give you a space that if you are unactively on the app and you meet somebody and maybe you don't want to do a one-on-one -on -one thing, maybe you feel a little unsure, you can meet each other at turntable yoga in a safe, fun way. So right now, all of, um, all of your events and the people that are utilizing the app are in Atlanta, correct? Yes. The app technically works anywhere in the nation, but we have only pushed marketing here in Atlanta to build traction. And uh, I would say by uh, June or July, we'll be scaling to other cities nationally, nationally. I don't think I knew that it could be used anywhere. So that's cool. Is that... That's it new can, since we last talked then. So the app works everywhere. But like if you're in like Utah, it might be like you and maybe one other person because sure. we haven't marketed there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, technically works everywhere, but maybe you might not have a ton of friends. Now I will say my parents were visiting um, Florida just outside of Tampa and they were in Bradenton, went to Best Buy to buy uh, an appliance and they were talking to uh, the cashier girl about, or the sales rep about, their daughter who lives in Atlanta and her app. And the girl said, Oh, what app is it? And my parents said it's actively. And she's like, no way I have that app. 
So that was like the first time my parents ever actually were like, you're doing something good. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. I was like, thanks guys. It only took you two years. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. They're with it now, but they were like, stay at CNN, keep your good health benefits, live your best life. <laughs> well, and I can understand that, right? Totally. Yes. Yes. Are your, are your parents, um, first generation American or did they come over from Cuba? They're, they're first. Oh no. My parents are from, uh, Cuba and, um, I'm first generation. You're first generation. Yeah. So I can see that they're like, what are you talking about? You're leaving this (laughs) job with a very famous company. (laughs) Yeah. And you might not know a whole, like, you know, you might not know every brand and technology or whatever, but they definitely know what CNN is. And my mom definitely like telling her friends, my daughter works at CNN. So, um, But now, now they've seen it. They actually came to a turntable yoga and they saw how happy people were, you know, all these things that keep us from saying hello or smiling or meeting someone new. And we, Hey, say hello. And at the end of class, look back at that person and say, I can't believe we survived and I'll see you next time. And people really are happy that way. And, and a chance to meet each other and break the ice. I know that you haven't really done your full fundraising efforts, um, you know, and really got into that point yet. How are you living? Oh, I have a really, really wonderful boyfriend and he's, a, <laughs> he's no, truly, he's a law student. I've done freelance marketing in the past, but, um, you know, we are, we are thrifty and plucky and filled with moxie and, um, yeah, I've done a little bit of freelancing and his student loans and law school ain't cheap as you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but truly like we're in a great situation and then, um, I'm again, really, really fortunate to have like the program, like we, where you get free rent and access. So I think, um, people who believe in you and show up and, and help like he does, he's the best. Hey Rob. Yeah. (laughs) Hi Rob. See, we don't hate all men. No, definitely not. No. Um, that's, that's awesome. I, I know that that's a question, you know, people probably ask, right. When they're like, Hey, I'm thinking of starting up, but like, how do I actually, pay bills until this thing starts making money. (laughs) And and also, you know, being honest that you're going to sacrifice a lot of your lifestyle. Like, you know, you know, you give up manicures, you give up pedicures, you don't get your hair done, you know, every six weeks, if you have to do your hair, you know, you don't go shopping. I definitely don't go shopping. Like I used to, not only do I not have the time, I think it lets you know that there's so many other things that matter. And, um, I'm really grateful. Like I, I cannot, you know, truly just perspective and I'm willing to sacrifice whatever it takes to, to get to what I believe in. And uh, yeah, but, but, but it better be clear that if, you know, you are not, you know, giving up your, your nice car and all your perks and you're, I haven't gone on like a proper trip out of the country in a couple of years, but I really believe in what I'm doing and my mission. And that's my sole purpose and it's all worth it. Yeah. And one of the things you and I were talking about offline was, Um, I asked you how, how, like, you know, things in social world are going for you, like, you know, your social life, your general life, you're like, yeah, I, (laughs) no, you're right. And, um, it's just, it's just part of it. And I think that, um, everything is in alignment. I have, I've met, I definitely don't have all the same friends that I had before and their values are, you know, it's different when you only work nine to five and you're really lucky in that way. And that's one experience. And I think I have a really good situation where I have a lot of women who are 
entrepreneurs or building brands or podcasts and they're hustling just as hard as you. So you put it on the books and you're like, I'll see you in three weeks and we'll go do dinner and wine and ladies night and Netflix or whatever. And I think it's like finding other ways to connect with people. So you go and support each other's events and you really show up for one another. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and knowing that like, you know, for right now, particularly with you, like you're, you're living and breathing this thing while you're going through this new development. Um, and then, you know, once it gets released, you're going to live and breathe all the bugs <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, but like, it's okay that there are certain periods of time where it's all consuming and then, you know, that it'll balance out in another way at some point. Absolutely. And I would say I, I have just been so blessed. So like you, we live, you know, we have a nice one bedroom apartment. It's not the fanciest condo on the block, but just like what you believe in. And that's why, like, if you're going to build a business, if you're going to leave your corporate job, like you really, really, really better believe in the mission that you are behind. And then the other thing is there's this quote that goes around on Instagram all the time. And it gives me so much perspective, um, about what you really, what you're in for. And it's, um, the quote says, yeah, I'm a 10 year overnight success. And so by the time you really discover somebody, by the time you saw Gary Vee, by the time that you see, you know, a, you know, probably not Facebook, but by the time you meet these companies and these things that are like billion dollar industries now, they've been grinding behind the scenes for a decade, for seven or eight, nine years. So if you really, you know, I know tech is a little different, but if you're in it, you're in it for the long haul or, you know, don't do it or it's not the right time for you. Right. Right. Um, one of my favorite pictures of yours from the last year was with another very strong, very supportive woman in the Atlanta area, Stacey Abrams. Yes, Stacey. I I'm, love her. I'm pretty sure it was on your uh, Instagram stories. And so I was like, you know, sending you messages like, oh my God, is she great? You look great. She how wonderful is she? <laughs> She's so wonderful. I heard her speak at an international women's day event and it was the first time I, I heard her speak. And I think that there's, I, I, I like a lot of quotes and there's one that's like, what's real resonates. And she set my soul on fire. Like when I heard her speak and I heard her story and what, what she's accomplished and where she comes from and her true passion and commitment to help lift other people. I was like, this is a no brainer. How can I help? How can I be involved? I gave out buttons. I can make phone calls. I'll, I'll march for you. I'll give out signs. What do you need? How can I be, how can I be an advocate for this woman who genuinely wants to see growth for Atlanta and has, and has worked across the aisle. She's amazing and so inspiring and also a badass, sexy novelist, right? Cause she has her pseudonym, her pen oh, name, yeah. Yeah. Selena Montgomery in romance novels. I forgot about that. That's great. I, you know, my biggest thing was, you know, the debt. Right. And I loved, you know, how open and transparent she was about it. And, you know, as somebody who has a disgusting amount of debt from law school, primarily, um, <laughs> primarily <laughs> and no, no home to show for it. Uh, no piece of property to show for it. Um, you know, it's, it's just really refreshing to have seen somebody speak so honestly about it. Um, uh, I'm hopeful that it means that we, um, 
start being less exclusionary when it comes to the types of backgrounds that are ex- acceptable for, you know, people in higher public off, you know, public office. Um, I think it's so easy for somebody who has never lived paycheck to paycheck to make a comment like, I don't know, the grocery store will like give them groceries on loan. Right. Um, yes. I'm like, it's not a wonderful life, dude. Um, Um, an out of touch person. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and listen, Again, different experiences, right? But, sure, certainly. So it's great when you start to see varied experience, you know, people with varied experiences finally coming into play in some of those roles. And anyway, it like spoke and, to and, my and heart. We're not gonna we're not gonna let you shame us because or use it against us or make us feel inferior. You're not gonna keep us down and oppress us and you know right. and stay in your place because you don't come from XYZ or you don't have this pedigree or this background nothing wrong with any of those things, but like you can't keep telling women and women of color and people of color, you know, that, that, that this makes you not good enough and everything else. No, like, especially I'm, I'm so proud of her, especially when the, if you go real deep into it, right. The reasons for the debt and all of that are because of some of those system systemic issues. Absolutely. And so Anyway, I don't know. 2019 is the year of money for me. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm being open to it. And manifest it. Yes. <laughs> Put that uh, shit into the universe. Manifest right. <laughs> um, okay. So starting with Startup Sisters, where can people find more information and follow? So follow us on Instagram at startupsisters.usa. Super supportive community. We love to highlight other female entrepreneurs and we are launching our new website really soon. So I'll plug that at a later date in time, but Instagram is, is alive and well, and we've got tons of great ladies. And then, um, also actively. Yes. Go yes, actively, please. actively, um, so, please. <laughs> so we, so we are actively spelled with two V's. And, um, we will have, by the time you hear this, there should be a brand new, beautiful app out. And I would love your feedback. Um, I want to build the product that people really deserve. And I've had so much love and support and you guys deserve a great app. And I'm bringing that to you and an easy way to find friendship and fun and fitness. So we are in the app store and on Android and also at actively on Instagram. And that's with two V's. Two V's. Throw them up, y'all. Two V's. Uh, They have a website, too. It's actively.com, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Also with two V's. There's always going to be two V's, people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then one because one V was taken and super expensive to get into litigation for. Dang it. Uh, Stupid lawyers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then what about you? How can people follow along with your journey? What's going on with you? You know, follow me on Twitter. I love, I'm like you, um, Bobby too. I am a, a news junkie too. I'm at Stephanie Jewett, S T E F A N I E Jewett, J E W E T T on Twitter. And I love supporting other lady entrepreneurs. If you follow me or other women who are amazing and incredible, I will follow you back. Thank you so much for having me on and for being such a great example of like a good woman. Oh, thank you.
Thank you so much to Stephanie for coming on. I am still laughing um, at some of our conversation today. And I'm, I am going to start playing on actively a lot more just to kind of get a feel for it. I'm super excited for version two to come out. Um, we are releasing this earlier than Stephanie thought we were. Um, and that's my fault. I didn't really give her an idea of the timing here. So um, if you do download actively right now, it's still going to be version one. And this is if you download it on January 30th when this episode is released of 2019. If it's, uh, if it's after the first week in February, you've got the new one. Um, but you know, your phones update things automatically. So download it, play with it, uh, give her feedback. She's great. Um, and she's sincere when she asks for that feedback, just like I'm sincere when I ask you all for feedback, um, and ask you to follow us on all of the social. So at LTPF pod on Twitter, on Instagram, um, and Facebook, we have our private Facebook group, um, and you just search leveling the playing field group on Facebook. And then you can email us at ltpfpod at gmail.com. So like Stephanie, I enjoy feedback as well. Good and the bad so that we can make this better. And I, of course, want to recommend that you, um, you know, rate, review and subscribe to our little podcast here on Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, and you can get show notes at RadioInfluence.com. Um, LTPFPod.com is still being revamped. We are slow but steady on that front, and I'm super excited about it. And uh, per usual, I want to thank the guys at Radio Influence for helping me put out a great episode and, you know, for kind of like being there for me. Um, this episode was written and produced by myself. Editing, audio engineering, and design were by Jerry Petuck at Radio Influence. And Leveling the Playing Field is part of the Radio Influence Network. Have a wonderful week, everyone. This is a Crush Performance Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Our priorities for human performance are rest, recovery, regeneration. It's usually maybe the last thing we try to consider, but I'm challenging everybody to make it number one. Build all of your work, all of your intensity, all your volume around the quality rest and recovery you can get on any day, week, month, year. Build it backwards from there. If you do that, I promise you, I promise you better outcomes. There's no question about it. And then, of course, nutrition. And that brings us to the topic today. I am very, very happy to bring on to the air uh, Ricky Ng, performance dietitian. Ricky, so glad to have you on the show today. Especially with social media, there's there's no barrier. Anybody can put anything up. And uh, I've seen athletes crash because they're following um, what appears to be right on uh, on social media there because it's something that they look up to. And oftentimes, yeah, the celebrities and it's the athletes that they really look up to and they really try to follow that trend. But 
oftentimes behind the scenes, that's not actually what's going on with the athlete. And so they're trying, they're sometimes in a way portraying a very, very different visual. And, and it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's a good learning experience for our athletes to understand what works. Well, it doesn't work because even in, in the world of nutrition, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.